Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, they'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I head up Ballard's branding team. We're We're your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now, on with the show. Okay, so Taryn had her baby. Very <gasps> That's exciting. our triumph. Baby yes. Miles. Baby Miles. Which so I love the name. blessing so or something, I think. Gift from God, I thought. Oh, same thing. Yes. <laughs> um, and y'all, blessings are gift from God. He's um, nine pounds. I think her first baby was the size of this baby's head. And I'm not yeah, kidding. Like he, the yeah. pictures of him are ginormous. I love it. I love a big fat baby. He's cute. And she, I was texting with her the other day. It seems like everything is going really well. So we're very happy for her. Congrats. And yes. But we miss excited. her. Of course, yes, already we miss her. Yes. She is the the third leg of our, our tripod. <laughs> we'll try not to fall over. Um, But we got to do some trials and triumphs. Mm -hmm. So, Karen, you're very excited. You go first. Well, okay. Um, I sit in the sunroom and work, as I've talked about. I made it my office for my COVID office, which I love it. But it's winter, and the sun is really low in the winter, and it blinds me. So from about, I don't know, 1030 to 3 o'clock, it just shifts in front of me, and I'm constantly moving my body to hide behind window panes to keep from being blinded. Um, So I ordered blinds like a normal person would. And Caroline, you would be so proud because I measured. But didn't you already tell us about the blinds you ordered that were? I ordered blinds for one window because in the summer, Uh uh, there are three, like probably six foot wide windows in the sunroom. So there's a door on one wall and then the other three walls all have these very large windows because it used to be a screen and porch. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of houses in Atlanta have the bungalows in Atlanta have this sort of setup where people took a screen and porch and made it into an indoor room. And um, so in the summer, the light came in the side window. Uh, let me see what facing mm-hmm. is. So the north, south, the east uh, facing, west, yeah, north, south. Oh yeah, west facing west window. Face, yeah. um, in the afternoon, and would just make the room so hot. So I ordered some blinds. Yes, from uh, Chicology, which I've told you all about, um, for that window, which worked perfectly. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I waited and waited and waited and didn't buy them for my other windows because I'm lazy. And now that I'm being blinded every day for the last. <laughs> two, three months, um, I finally decided to place the order. And y'all, they're only like 20 bucks each. I, it's not like it was going to break the bank, but I'm just slow. So I finally placed the order. I, I placed it a long time ago. And they, like everybody else in the world, are really struggling to keep up with back orders and stuff. So I think I placed the order in December and I just got it mid-February. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I measured did I mention that I measured? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Maybe your measuring tape is wrong. Maybe I'm just tape? broken. Yeah, I might. <laughs> I, I, maybe I'm measuring in centimeters We'll or get you three me- three separate measuring tapes from three different brands, and then you can measure <laughs> on each one and make sure you're measuring the right. You know what I mean? Maybe it's... Mm-hmm. I did have a woman ask me one time at work, "Who does someone have a really big yardstick? And I'm like, they're all a yard. It's a yardstick. Duh. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, two of them, I measured my windows, and they're slightly, slightly different sizes. So, I got one that was 21 inches and two that are 22 inches. Well, the 22 inches don't fit. So I, Are they too big, too small? They're slightly too big. And it's just kind of the way they snap into the space. It's, it seems like they would, but they don't. So, I have to – I'm still being blinded. I've got to do an exchange today. But the, I'm excited about the one that's hanging. At 3 o'clock yeah. this afternoon, I won't be blinded. But right now, it's 11 <laughs> in the morning. and I'm <laughs> you, need those, um, dodging. you need those glasses that turn from oh, yeah, regular to yeah, transition sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, so you could be wearing aviators right I now. I do have uh, – you know what? That's so smart. I have reader uh, sunglasses. I should just get those <laughs> and wear them in all my meetings. I'm just so cool that I wear sunglasses in meetings. Okay, wait. I'm sure everyone has seen this going around the internet, but it about killed me when you mentioned 
And then when you mentioned um, wearing sunglasses, have y'all seen the um, video of the lawyer who goes to court on Zoom? And I'm a cat. I'm not <laughs> a cat. There's a cat filter. Oh, my gosh. That was the cutest, funniest thing. I'm that not was a awesome. cat. I'm here. I'm not a cat. <laughs> I'm ready to proceed. <laughs> you guys, if you haven't seen it, you have got to just Google that. It was the oh my cutest, God. funniest thing. So funny. And the, just the judge's face. I mean. And, and the poor judge is trying to could... talk him through it. Like you go to the arrow and you click the arrow. Like, how could you win your case after the judge having, like, trying to plead as a cat? Well, also, you know I mean? how could like, you what? proceed as a cat? <laughs> in all seriousness, I'm going to argue this as a cat and it'll be fine. No. I mean, yeah. Anyways, sorry. I know. A little tangent, but I wish I'm I just, could like, do crying that thinking about it. I'm crying thinking about it. It was very funny. Um, I don't know what else I have. I have, that was my sort of trial. I've got one well, triumph tell- out of three. One blind works and two are too big. Well, that's better than zero okay, for three. Progress, so, you know, progress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my trial and triumph. My triumph is that I finally got our basement carpeted. Very exciting. I think I, I think I told y'all about it. So Will ripped out um, the drop ceiling in the basement last summer. I then painted it. Mm-hmm. I had this whole, you know, sort of dilemma about the carpeting because. Um, I really felt like carpeting would help it feel cozy. You know, it's a basement. It's like, cold, like they're cold down there. Uh-huh. And um, and I felt like carpeting would really kind of help it feel cozier because we're planning to use that as a home office. Um, Will does a lot of freelance work, so like a place for him mm-hmm. and also a little artist studio. And then possibly one day maybe putting like a sofa bed in there for mm-hmm. like an extra, you know, little sort of guest room. Right. Um. So, but because it would be artist studio. I felt like it really needed to have a durable rug. I didn't want like a looped carpet or anything that would easily, you know, if it got watercolor paint on it or whatever. So they make indoor outdoor polypropylene carpet. Uh So that is what I had them put down there. And I really like it. Um, They just put it in on Tuesday, but here's my dilemma. (laughs) Will's going to kill me if he ever hears this, which luckily I won't. Highly unlikely. It's looking really good. And we still have, like, to get the cabinetry in there. We're going to do Ikea cabinets and set up the actual workstation. But our office is now working from home until September 21. Mm -hmm. So I just don't know if I'm going to want to work in the basement for eight hours a day because there's really only kind of one small window. It's like the top of a door Mm -hmm. um, that lets light in. Oh, above a door? Like a transom above a door? Okay. Well, no, it's not a transom. It's like the door has a window at the top oh, of it. Oh, oh, uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yes, like, yes. I get the top it. is window, the bottom is solid. Yes. I just don't know if I'm going to want to work in there with such little natural light. Can you face the, dire- the desk directly towards the window? That might help. Maybe. So you're looking yeah. out it? Um, and, and the lighting in there, we've added lots of really good lighting. So the lighting is, is nice. But I just really love working at our dining room table because it's bright and sunny and just I get to like look out at the trees. Well, is that a problem? Why will Will care where you work? Oh, he won't. It's just, you know, sometimes like Wi-Fi connectivity, it's nice to be plugged in to like your Ethernet sometimes or not have to, you know, pack up my sure. all of my stuff every night and mm-hmm. it looks tidier, all that stuff. So I'm just trying to figure out, I guess, I guess really I just will have to wait and see and try out working down there and see if that's, you know, maybe I work down there in the mornings and then in the afternoon come upstairs or, or oh, that's vice versa a, that's or something. Compromise. Is Will also still working from home? No, he's not. He's back in his office. So that's good. We only have, and, and Blair's at school. So, you know, I can kind of work anywhere I want. It's just a matter of, you know, having to move my charger wherever I go and, and like those little things that... You know, when I it's was, kind of nice to have a set workstation. Yes. Yeah, I know. I get it. When I was working in the dining room, I had a big basket, very large basket. I would say it was 24 by 12 or something and pretty deep and everything would go in it. So at the end of the day, I would just pick it all up, you know, anything and put it all in there and it could move with me as well. Um, and that was very handy. Mm-hmm. Just if you're going yeah. to be mobile, having some way to transport it. Okay. I have to ask you about the yeah, carpet. That's good yes. Um, so it's a flat polypropylene 
Mm-hmm. Is it a, is there a pattern? Is it a color? It looks like a natural fiber. Oh, okay. It looks okay. yeah. So it looks like a seagrass. It's it's a little bit warmer um, than a normal seagrass color, uh-huh. but but yeah, it just looks like natural fiber. Did you consider those carpet tiles? Yes, I did. The the issue is that I wanted to also carpet the staircase. Uh huh. And I just felt you like it to match. Yeah, I wanted it to be the staircase, the landing at the bottom of the staircase. The carpet the tiles I find so, intriguing. Because mm-hmm. you can swap them out. Yeah, and I have a girlfriend who uses them for area rugs. Um. Yeah. But it does seem to make sense in a, in a room where you are worried about stains or spills because you can just pull up one, throw it away, and put another one down. You know, buy an extra ten. Um, yeah. I haven't tried it myself, but I'm just curious about it. Anyway, I thought you might have considered it. No, we did talk about it. We did consider it for sure. Um, part of the other thing too is I didn't want to. I didn't really want to install it myself. I just mm-hmm. wanted to have someone come and do it and it be done, be seamless. And I felt like there were so many areas and so many corners. Yeah. That I just felt like it wouldn't – either I would have to be super meticulous installing it to where it would look really well done mm-hmm. or I would have to have yeah. – yeah. So No, that makes sense. Yeah. It's one of those things that if you did it yourself and you did it wrong, you just stare at and be mad at. Right. I could right. see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, most of the time Will does watercolor, which I'm not really worried about that because like it's – It's water. It's just water. Yeah. <laughs> but – um. But sometimes he does do acrylic, but he's just said, like, he can put down a drop cloth, you know. But anyway, so I'm still sort of – I still have not ironed out my work-from-home situation, but um, definitely making headway. And it does look a lot better down there, so I'm hoping to get things going. I'd love to see um, some photos. I'm just curious yes. about what's going on. Yeah, I need to um, – I just haven't taken any because it was looking so rough, but now that the – Will like put down um, – his dad gave us a like sort of a kill him kind of that they weren't using anymore. So we put that down there mm-hmm. and we're going to move some stuff. Um, when we get our new sectional, we're going to move our old couch down there just for for now. Yeah, until we sounds like you have a lot of room. So, mm, not really. Oh, okay. It's pretty small. Okay. <laughs> um. But we've sort of landed on like two workstations. One will be sort of countertop height with lots of cabinetry for supplies, filing, you know, gift wrap, all that kind of stuff. And then one will just be sort of like an open desk for drawing, big architectural drawings, that kind of thing. I get so, it. I get it. Yeah. Um, progress is still slow, but it's happening. It's so happening. That's good. Yes. Yeah. Let's get to our guest. I'm excited. Okay, so our guest today is Allison Giese. She is a designer in San Antonio, Texas. Recently, um, I sort—I of, guess recently sort of relocated, right? You were in um, Northern Virginia for a long time. We were in Northern Virginia. Prior to that, we were in Brazil with my husband's job, but we are native Texans. So this is sort of a welcoming, um, well, homecoming, I guess, as you would say. Yes, homecoming. <laughs> so you're based in San Antonio, but you do a lot of work in Northern Virginia, and your work has been featured in Rue Magazine, Better Homes and Gardens, Southern Home Magazine, and more. And I love what you kind of sort of say about your, your design work, which is, Herms with character, with a soul, and that really does come true. I loved going through your portfolio, and what really struck me is just how restrained you are. In <laughs> you, you just show a lot of restraint in in like the most elegant way, and I I find that to be like such a hard thing to do, even just for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably harder to do in my own home as well. But thank you. Um, yeah, you know, the soulful thing kind of came about, um, you know, really organically because the thing I hear most often from clients when we have that first conversation is just that, you know, I really like that your, your work doesn't look overly decorated. It doesn't look too precious. Um, and that's really something, you know, most of the people we work with do have, you know, kiddos or pets and that sort of thing. So we try to have a home that looks, you know, designed in a way that's tailored, but that's still really approachable and always, always, always bring something old in. 
um, whether that's to shop the client's own things. You know, if they have heirlooms, that's always fun to be able to kind of shop around and bring those things in, or if it's finding older pieces. Um, I, I really feel strongly, it's very often that I'll look at a design and I'll be like, it's, we need something old. We need something old. <laughs> it's not there yet. Is that the soul then? That's the soul. That So I really feel like that that's the pieces that tend to tell the story of the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, start with where you, because you didn't begin in design. So yes. yes. Can you t- tell everybody kind of where you started and how you got into design? Sure. And I took the, uh, the scenic route <laughs> to get here. Um, I graduated from the University of Texas with a Bachelor of Science in Nutrition. And um, from there, went into nutritional medical sales and did that for about five years and really loved this, you know, the, the people interaction part of it, but I hated the sales. And, you know, it's all about the numbers in that line of work. So at the time, I was dating the man that I ended up marrying and he was getting out of law school and, you know, I was really having a hard time, you know, trying to figure out what was what. Meanwhile, you know, all of my interest is in homes and decorating and home decorating magazines, (laughs) that sort of thing. (laughs) But he's like, well, you could go to law school. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I could go to law school. I've always been told I could be a good lawyer. (laughs) So pivotal moment, maybe not the best, but, um, you know, fast forward through that and he ended up getting a job with that took us overseas. And it wasn't until we were in Brazil and I felt really isolated. And a friend of mine referred me to interior design blogs that were just starting to happen. And this was like about 2008, summer of 2008, give or take. And she just said, you know, I I think you'd really enjoy this. And I just, I never realized that design is a profession. Um, you know, that people go to school for it. I, you know, I grew up kind of where there were moms that decorated as a hobby, you know, helped friends out, that sort of thing. But, you know, one of the earliest ones I followed was Erica Powell with Urban Grace Interiors. And she gave so much information on the professional end. And that really made me go, wait a minute, this is something I need to think about trying to educate myself on if I, you know, this is, this is where I need to be. So, um, spent the five years that we lived in Brazil just trying to absorb as much as I could about design. You know, the aesthetics down there are really beautiful, as you can imagine, but it really introduced to me, you know, a new a new type of design. Um, you know, mixing mid-century pieces with things that, you know, were antiques or old, and it just was like way cool. Came back to the States. Um, we had a brand new baby, so I kind of just you know, noodled on things and then got like an interior decorating certificate from community college. So I'd had all this education and other things. And I just felt like I needed a piece of paper to say I was qualified to do this. <laughs> um, and so from that point, I, I did try to get work with the designers kind of in the Washington DC area, but everyone wanted, you know, technical skill. They wanted CAD, SketchUp, all of it. And they weren't wanting to pay you for it. So um, I just decided to go out on my own and see how that went. And here we are. And here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Seems pretty good. Um, So do you think that Brazil has really, um, you know, that experience has really changed how you have even designed, how you look at design? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think... I think I designed with a little bit of kind of ethnic global twist anyway, because I grew up in South Texas and we would go on shopping trips with my mom and her girlfriends. And we'd go down to Laredo, which is on the border of Texas and Mexico. And there's fantastic shopping. Well, there was back when it was kind of safe to go. Um, Just, you know, really cool old furniture and Mm -hmm. pottery and all the sort of things that I, I gravitate towards. So I was exposed to that, you know, as a young person. And then we get to Brazil and I see kind of a, a you know, I, that all bubbles back up to the surface. But in addition to, um, there's a lot, as, particularly in Rio de Janeiro, there's a lot of exposure to um, mid-century, you know, classic mid-century pieces that I had never really seen incorporated in design before. I didn't grow up with that. and But they put it with like tropical stuff, which I totally could relate to. So it was just this whole new eclectic mix that I really resonated with. I love the idea of mixing clean lines with things that have, you know, a little bit more flourish to them just to kind of keep it all toned down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I know you do. Back to that minimalist that Caroline kind of spoke to. It doesn't seem like it's too much, like everything. And even your colors overall, too, are kind of, you said balmy colors. It's in one point. Balmy you're colors. About, yeah. And I was like, balmy colors. Because nothing seems think- too stark or too clean. It's definitely um, got a warm to it. Yeah, I definitely gravitate towards, I do gravitate towards color, but it usually is muddier what I consider mm-hmm. muddier colors. So if it's going to be a yellow, it's probably going to have some browns and grays in it that it doesn't read as bright yellow as much as I love bright yellow. I tend to decorate in the softer tones. You know, I, I always go back to this idea that, you know, it's our job to create an atmosphere, not just a beautiful home, but something that evokes a feeling. And that's always one of the questions I ask clients the first time I speak with them is, what are three words that you want your home to just like, what are three emotions that you want your home to invoke when either you or, you know, a guest comes into your home? And that's the atmosphere we're trying to go for. Well, back to the colors question, you you definitely do use a lot of muddy colors, but I also felt like you just use so many neutrals. And I feel like people, when they think of neutral, they think of beige, gray, white, black brown. But your neutrals aren't really necessarily any of those colors, like what you picture, you know, like your, your beiges are really like sandy and like maybe sometimes even have a little green in them. So many, a lot of your grays have some green in them. Your, your brown is more like a caramel. So I was wondering if you could kind of talk us through some of your, your favorite neutrals to use that aren't, you know, like your run of the mill neutral. This is going to sound crazy, but I think almost any color can be used as a neutral. And I've discovered that. That's a relatively recent discovery. But I've discovered that doing the mood boards that I always do. Um, It's kind of a thing I do on on Mondays for Instagram. And sometimes I will grab, you know, um, like a cabinet uh, sample that I've got. And it's say it's kind of like a steely blue, which most people would use as a color. And you could absolutely use that as color. But if you pair it with, you know, highly textural neutrals, things that have, you know, color, but it's nuanced, it really kind of becomes a neutral. I mean, it, I'm not doing a very good job explaining it, but I think it's really what you pair it with. And again, the contrast to, um, you know, color reads more, the more, the more contrast I think you have with it and also in finishes. So, you know, I tend, I tend to use more matte finishes and I think that those read a little bit calmer and more neutral. Um, I mean, so then I, you can throw anything else in there. I think you could. I mean, like I said, I know that sounds crazy, but I always tell clients, um, particularly like with kitchens and baths, when they're like, I want, you know, white, a white kitchen, but they may not want a white kitchen. They may want a light kitchen. So we can talk about pale grays and taupes and mushrooms and things like that, that still read as light to them, but they have more layer and they have, to me, more visual interest. And that may be why they've hired me because they've picked up on that. They just may not know how to communicate it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, so what, like, what are you looking for when you are looking for a, a color that is reading as a neutral, but it's not like when you were talking about like the mushrooms and stuff, like what are, what sort of qualities in that color do you think make it appealing? Um, I, hmm. It's, you know, I feel like my girls are always asking, you know, my seven-year-old, mommy, what's your favorite color? And you know, <laughs> I always say brown. She's like, mom, um, <laughs> that's terrible. But no, I, I, I really think what I look for is what works with, uh, what it works with. Um, and also just the, the, the atmosphere it conveys. Um, I mean, even I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I was thinking recently a lot about plums. I mean, it is a very saturated color, but still when you match it with, again, like mushrooms and taupes and linen colors, it just becomes part of the story. I feel like it doesn't mm. scream, this is a colorful room. It just feels layered at that point. Right. So I, do, you, yeah. do you think that's, that is like more of a lack of contrast? Like the plum is sort of like a dialed up version of mushroom. And so then it doesn't feel so contrasty so it feels yeah I think it is the lack the lack of contrast because if you took that same plum color and you put it next to a stark white um I feel like you would read that room as 
you know, kind of the overuse that pop of color. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're putting it with something that's a little bit toned down and not quite as far um, contrast wise on the spectrum, it just kind of reads more nuanced. And, and maybe that's what in my mind feels neutral is that mm-hmm. it's, there's, there's not a jarring sense of, of color. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed is that you use, um, there was one room in particular that I thought was so pretty and it had these, it had sort of like a, um, two wing chairs with like this kind of white and beige pattern. And then, um, the, the sofa was, you know, like a tan and I feel like, you know, the last like 10 years gray has been like the dominant neutral and people have thought so, um, they feel like beige is like very boring, Yeah. but I love when you've used sort of, and, and I don't even want to call it beige because I feel like that sounds I know. negative, but it's like a sand mm-hmm. color. Yeah. And so I was wondering if there's, you know, what you love about that color and like, you seem to use it a lot on, on like a sofa or chairs. And so is that sort of like, um, a good way to get that white sofa look? Without I, doing the white sofa? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's so many nuances of that. There's oatmeal, there's linen, there's, you know, all those, all those tones that play yeah. in, in the white, <laughs> you know, zone. Mm-hmm. But I feel like clients are more comfortable. With. If you go to them with a straight up white sofa, um, it's going to have to be a performance fabric. And that's fine. But you've also got clients who really care about an all natural fabric and, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So you have to find that happy medium. Um, yeah. But yeah, I absolutely, I do think that, um, you know, it's an easier, it tends to be an easier sell on those bigger pieces, on those investment pieces to do something that, that reads, Hey, you can change this up with pillows in a few years. Um, it, it's less scary and, and I, yeah. I get it, you know, <laughs> you, on the other hand, have a very large print botanical Mm-hmm. So uh, tell us about that because I love it. Oh, it's the best story I have to say. <laughs> so I picked up that sofa at a Habitat store before we moved to Brazil and put it in storage. I bought that sofa, another sofa, and two chairs for less than 200 bucks at a Habitat. Still have all of them. Um, held on to That's them. Nuts. Didn't take them to Brazil. Um, so they sat in storage until we came back and we're living in Virginia. And that sofa, and I don't know the brand, but um, it's very well made. And we put it in our new house in Virginia when we moved there and it sat for several years. I just couldn't figure out what to do with the room and it just, you know, I wasn't committed to it. You know, cobblers, cobblers, kids, that kind of thing. <sighs> but we had a chair that was covered in a fabric, that botanical, um, the Le Fougere, mm-hmm. that one of my, my husband's grandmother's like bedroom was covered in. I mean, like tip to toe curtains, everything. And so we had a cool. chair from that. And I had the swatch and I always was like, this is the coolest fabric. We need to use it somewhere. And it just kind of, when I finally figured out what to do with that room, um, we converted a dining room to a sunroom in Virginia. It just made sense to, to do the couch in that fabric. So it's really been a really cool story. And it, you know, it has, it has sentiment to it as well. So that's a keeper. I feel like it really kind of embodies though your brand, that couch. Like it's it has this earthiness and but it's also a little bit traditional, but because it's mm-hmm. a sofa and this huge, you know, botanical print, it feels like very fresh. Yeah. It's and got it, a great foot too. It does. It has a beautiful frame. Yeah. I I've had quite a few offers for that sofa, but I haven't <laughs> I haven't gone there. Well, I love your mood boards and I think everybody would. There's such a um, good look into it. But the thing that I noticed with most of them is you, and I was wondering if you do this in kitchens, for kitchen hardware and or bathroom, we'll say both, um, do you often pick a um, bar handle versus a knob versus a um, like cup pull? Because you always have like a little handle. It is somewhat client driven. You know, we do talk about that. I have, you know, preferences, but sometimes clients will say, yeah, that just doesn't work for me. Um, I will say, even though I hate, the, I hate, I hate to quote trends, I do think there is a trend away from pulls as much. I do think we're going to see more knobs and we're already seeing more knobs. I think some of that is just kind of the British influence that we're seeing in, in cabinetry in general. Um, so I've been doing that too, just because it feels really clean. I think we'll see even more streamlined um, 
hardware. So even some of the like the push, the magnet push things. Um, if people want a little bit more contemporary look, I think that'll continue to be streamlined. But you know, in my own home, I, I mix it up. Yeah, I mean, I I love a beautiful you know bend pull. I love a beautiful knob, and and there's some fantastic um, just traditional like D ring pulls that sort of thing too. No, you have some pretty hardware on in, in your mood boards, but I had noticed a lot were um, handles, so I was just wondering if that was they work better for the mood boards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I always wonder with handles too if they're better in the kitchen because I hate um, anything. If you've ever lived with one where the handle pops off the end, like there's a little nub yeah. in your pants or like a pocket always yeah. gets stuck on it and you're like, yes. oh, I'm going to rage. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, it made, me, it made me think of it when I was looking at your your work. I love a pull. I feel like they're easier sometimes to grab onto than a knob personally. Sure. Like sure. for a big heavy cabinet or I'm sorry, a big heavy drawer that has like pots and stuff. Yes. Um, and that's usually where we what we've got the feedback from the clients too because we do design with a lot of the deep like you know deep drawers that hold so much good stuff that yeah they can't imagine just having two little knobs to open that so you you have to balance that functionality with the style you know when you when you are talking about mixing handles and pulls and stuff how do you how do you make sure they all coordinate in a way that it's you know feels intentional and and layered i definitely play around with them and, and I would recommend that to someone doing this on their own. I'd say, you know, go to Home Depot and, and get some samples of inexpensive knobs and pulls and different finishes and just play around with them. Um, I also kind of look at the, the finish. Um, so I will, I wouldn't say, like, I wouldn't necessarily pair two brushed finishes. Like, what, I wouldn't put a brushed nickel and a brushed brass together, but I would put um, a polished nickel with, a well, what did I say? Polished nickel, a polished nickel, and maybe a brushed brass or mm-hmm. a burnished brass. That's my favorite lately. So it kind of has that pre-patinaed look, but it feels a little bit fresher than what we associate as aged brass that we saw, you know, twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think yeah. that helps too. And you know, it's it is it is a dance, and I struggle with it too, especially in a say a bathroom where you've got okay, you've got toilet paper, towel bar. You know, those kind of hardware, you've got lights, potentially have a mirror frame, Um, you know, these things going on, it can, it feels a little bit out of control. So I'll try to, I'll try to keep it two, three max finishes. And if it's three, one of those finishes needs to be, I feel like black or almost black or dark bronze, something that kind of has that, um, you know, kind of outlining effect. Does that make sense? A grounding. A grounding. Yeah, that's a perfect word. Hmm. I like that. I totally see that. It's almost like you're neutral. Like the black could could go with something really shiny and can go with something. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. It looks like you do a lot of kitchens. Is that true? Are you like a kitchen or am I making that up? (laughs) No, 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 no. I love love doing kitchens. So multi-dimensional answer on that. Kitchens are where people tend to be interested in hiring a designer is where they tend to spend more money because they know they'll often get that back in the value of their home. If they may sell one day, it's Mm -hmm. where they spend a ton of their time. So, you know, the price per cost per use is good. Um, And And I also have a cabinet line. And mess up your expensive. They don't want to mess up. They want to hire you. Exactly. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have a kitchen line. That's really cool. Sorry. Yeah. I have a cabinet line and that, that really worked out really that evolved just organically. Um, you know, I ended up doing a few kitchens with a kitchen designer and she, she's also a manufacturer. And she said, you know, we're really looking at expanding our capabilities to doing more, um, you know, things outside the box. Would you be interested in doing a line? And I didn't have any idea. I didn't know anything about cabinetry, anything about a cabinet line, but you know, I just, held on and said, okay, <laughs> let's go. <for> it. <laughs> so um, what can you tell us about kitchens and what are you seeing in, you know, cabinetry that's kind of people are doing right now or any smart things too, that people are doing? Um, I, I think upper cabinets, um, you know, I feel like there's a split on that. People either have to have them, absolutely have to have them or they don't want any. And I'm, I am in the corner of it's very, design specific. So you may see, um, 
I don't know if you think of something like uh, even like a DC row house that maybe have it may has a, a tiny kitchen. So you've got to maximize the square footage. You almost always are going to have to have upper upper cabinets there, mm-hmm. but you do them to the ceiling. You're fortunate if you have a tall ceiling, and you coordinate that with the millwork, and it just looks classic and original and authentic and all the good things. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have more of an you know a larger space and you can afford to forego that upper cabinetry, you can get so much storage in base cabinets, particularly, you know, deep drawers, especially if they're tricked out with all the, you know, dowels and things for all the different accoutrements. So I think you will continue to see both. Um, I, I, I don't know about the open shelving thing. I don't know how much longer we'll see a lot of that just because in theory, it's beautiful. It's great. I haven't heard too many people say they like living with it. We actually, I was going to say, so Caroline actually took the plunge. I'm, I'm in the camp of no way. I'm not mess. I'm not, I'm not cute enough. I'm not clean enough. Hide it away. You don't want to see my stuff. Mm-mm, mm-mm. That's me. And so Caroline loves it. She's, and it looks fantastic. She's one of those. That's I mean, winning. I do. I do think that like, that was, it was partially, there were, there were several reasons. I mean, I do actually really like them and I, I'm, I don't regret taking them out at all. <laughs> but I will say that that the part of the reason I did take them out is because I didn't like the cabinets that were there. Yeah. It, it's not a very tall, we don't have high ceilings. We only have like eight foot ceilings. And yet the cabinets didn't go all the way to the ceiling. Oh yeah. And so it just, mm-hmm. I felt like it made the, the kitchen look really stumpy. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So, I mean, if I was, if I was like doing it all from scratch and I could do it myself, I probably, I would probably have a, more of a combination, but yeah, that I, yeah. in that case, I would absolutely take out the uppers and we have done that in several situations. One way we resolve it. And even that I'm planning to do in my own home is we'll do like a countertop hutch. So it ends mm-hmm. up storing, you know, so you've, instead of having multiple upper units, if you can, you know, do the base cabinetry and something that's really functional and then have one or maybe two kind of tower hutch units that come all the way down to the countertop. They hold mm-hmm. so much. You can tuck away blenders and toasters and, you know, all that kind of stuff because we'll put electricity in the back of them. And it kind of is a win-win situation. You don't have to clutter up your walls, but you don't lose so much storage. And I had noticed actually in there, they look like they're taller ceilings, but that you have quite a few jobs kitchens that you actually don't do um the cabinetry like all the way to the ceiling you do leave a little bit of space yeah and um can i just ask why or if it's just for <laughs> it's if it's a remodel it's because this you can't count on the ceilings being plumb so okay. you don't want to take it you know all the way to the ceiling and then have a, an irregular ceiling which happened in my own home before i started <laughs> doing more kitchen so i learned from that because it was just yeah, we usually will float them at least a little bit. It looks good. I just, yeah. I really, I had noticed when I was looking at your work and I was like, I wonder what the reasoning is um, as I, you know. Well, yeah, and the one I'm, the one that I'm kind of like the, one of the ones on here, it, but it's like, you've done this beautiful trim work around it. So it looks like, you know, it. it's not just like an awkward top yeah. As long as it looks purposeful, um, Mm -hmm. if you've got a pretty crown on it or, you know, something that makes Uh it look intentional. um, Sorry. That helps. That definitely helps. Mm -hmm. No, that does. And I love that you used the white focus little, the lights direct. What do you call them when they direct? You can actually direct them versus. Um, I call them just like individual spotlights, like a flush out spotlight. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, on your main homepage right now too, you have the oak cabinetry in a kitchen and the f- you do have open shelves as well. So mm-hmm. that's a perfect example where you mixed, you know, you have the hutch top and then you do have like open so you can stylize and then you can, mm-hmm. but you also have those pin lights or the spotlights, um, but you did them in white to match the ceiling. So they just like totally disappear. Yeah. And I loved that. I thought that was great for people to go and look. It's a great effect too. It's, it's too bad. We never got a photo with the lights on, you know, nobody takes your professional photos with the lights on, but again, it kind of goes to that whole atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talking about that, cause it's really cool in the evening to highlight those features, whether it be like the texture of, 
a backsplash or the, in that case, the, the hood was very sculptural. Um, those are a great way to do that. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to, to the talk about sort of, of restraint, because I do feel like that's something that we all probably struggle with a little bit, especially in our own homes. But, um, you know, and, and if anyone goes and looks at your your Instagram or your your website, I feel like they'll they'll see what I'm talking about. But in so many of the spaces, I feel like you like no item looks chosen haphazardly. Nothing looks um, you know like it was just added in there. It's just like so clean. And I wonder, I mean, is there is there like a way you're thinking about the items? to where you can minimize the number, but maximize the impact or like, how are you thinking? Okay. Cause you know, maybe in the dining room, you only have a table, the chairs and a great light fixture and like maybe one console, but there's not like all of these elements that layer together, but yet it feels layered. Am I explaining this properly? I don't know if I'm, I think I get what you're saying. Um, so what was the question though? When you're picking out stuff, like how do you, when you're picking out the items in the room, how are you, are you trying to maximize the, like the personality of only a few items or? I, I think it's more the idea of um, a space having some kind of visual breathing room. You know, I, I will look at other designs that I would, you know, probably call more max, maximalist and absolutely love them. But when I'm designing, I feel like I need to feel some flow visually in a space. So that's probably what you're picking up on there, um, mm-hmm. where we might technically have room to put another piece, but we didn't. And it also leaves some room for the client to, you know, be able to play after we're all done. I don't ever want a client to feel like their home is untouchable after we're done with it. It, it is a you know, living, breathing thing. So that kind of guides that as well. Yeah, that makes sense. I just think it's 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 challenging to play with few. I think when you're playing with more items, it's easier to bring in that personality. But when you're only you know using a, a smaller number of things, you really have to make each one count and mm-hmm. you know bring in the, the that variety of finishes and shapes and, and it's, textures. It's a lot more challenging. Yeah, I, I kind of go through a mental checklist too. Um, in a, particularly in a space that has, you know, soft finishes. So, you know, I'll go through the, do we have some linen? Do we have some velvet? Do we have some leather? Do we have some metal? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, usually if one's missing, that's, you know, that's the element that I pick up on. But that also, you know, what is that four or five elements? It's not like it's a ton of things. Um, there isn't always pattern. It tends to, it tends yeah. to not be pattern that, that is the missing thing for me. So, um mm-hmm. You know, I think kind of having just that, what your go-tos are, and then stop. Greenery. I would add greenery to that. You know, all those mm-hmm. things plus greenery. <laughs> yeah. You do have a little touch of greenery and everything. I um, love it. Which, I mean, it makes, it totally makes these images, like, so yummy. I think we've said it before. It's that little bit of life that just, like. You have to, yeah. I grew up in. with plants. I grew up with house plants. My mother was, you know, had a green thumb and. Thank goodness. I mean, I love plants, but my husband is the is the uh, plant whisperer in our house. So <laughs> he's the, yeah, he's a green. Ooh, what's his favorite house plant? Hmm. Well, he has managed to keep uh, fiddly figs alive, and that they seem Good. to be kind of a unicorn plant for some people. But mm-hmm. knock on something, he um, is the unicorn that keeps them alive. Yeah. <laughs> what's the secret? Like, do you put it in a really um? Sunny window, like they well, like huh? bright indirect light and not much water. I think <laughs> much probably water. People, most people lose them because they overwater. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've kept one alive, and it it has been in like you said bright light, and I wait till she dries out. Oh, she yeah. does not get water until yeah. she dries. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, okay. Uh, but I mean, again, don't it? It could still die. Yeah, <laughs> we will hold you to it. It's okay. I have one space where I've thought like, I, I need like a tree here, but then I, I just do not have, I know, but I have terrible luck with houseplants. I kill okay. them all. And this yeah. is a, t- this is a tip of mine. Now it doesn't mean it's correct, but the fiddly fig, like plant, like the short one, not the tree, 
those are like $15 at Lowe's. So like get yourself a really cute stand, a really cute basket. So you're getting elevated, elevated or whatever thing to bring it up higher visually mm-hmm. and then put it up there. See if you keep it alive. Then you only spent 15 bucks. Yeah, and true. if it dies, then a test run. Yeah. The test run on that before the hundred and fifty dollar tree. Yeah. Because kind of. see, my other thought is That's I bet our our daughter would probably want to water it like every day. Like she gets really into helping with chores. Like she wants to feed the dog like three times a day. So I feel like she would kill it. Yep. I think this <laughs> is a chore she's not included on. Yeah, yeah, no, she's not included on the watering. <laughs> Just tell her it's fake. Tell her it's fake. And you know, honestly, there's no shame in the faux game on you know mm-hmm. um there yeah. are some faux plants that really look like it but i feel like we've you know made leaps and bounds from mm-hmm. the time you know 20 years ago when we had the fake ficuses that just collected dust so yeah. we all had those that was part of our childhood i thought yeah yeah it was. <laughs> ours was at the top of the stairs you know in the big open hallway yeah we, i mean and we had the real deal but we still had those two, so yeah, yeah. My mom had real ones, but they still got dusty. So it's like, why? Oh, you have to take them outside and like hose them off. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, I was going to ask about. I had some specifics. There were random things I've thought about recently, and so I'm going to ask you. Okay. Okay. When thinking about buying towels for bedrooms, and if you've done a whole house, how many towels do you do for like per bathroom? Assuming that only one or two people are going to be using each restroom, or, yeah, yeah, I think um, it depends on the you know the size and like the number of towel bars and all that sort of thing. But I think you know, not talking about stored away, but I mean for everyday use, I would think a bath towel, hand towel, washcloth per person is doable. Um, you know, and then have another. I don't know, maybe three, three or so in the cupboard, okay. away, that kind of thing, rotate out. Yes. And then for what's on, let's say you want to do the decorative towel bar with like things hanging. Mm-hmm. Do you expect guests to use those, not to use those? How, what's the real gist? What do designers really think? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, you know, I am really kind of a practical list when it comes to this sort of thing. I expect my guests to use whatever I put out. I definitely don't put out like only use these towels. Um, mm-hmm. I put out what they can absolutely use and you know, that's they it. They do use them. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That was a random question, but I was thinking through and I was like, if you've got to do a whole house, how many towels do you buy for each um, bathroom? I have a question back for, for you regarding towels. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Turkish towels? Because they're styled with all the time in bathrooms, you see that. So, like the the, the towels that have the fringe mm-hmm. on the end, sometimes stripes. They're really beautiful. They're beautiful. I Mine think it's great for. Practical. Yeah, I feel like they're great for like a powder yeah. room or like drying your hands. But I'm not going to use that. My husband. Hates them. Like I tried putting them in our bathroom once, and he was like, "What is this?" It did not dry me. I did not. Oh, dry yeah. me. <laughs> so. It doesn't. Yeah. The little hand ones seem to wash well and, and work well enough that I'm yeah. with Caroline. I'll do one of those. But to your point, I've tried the like bath towel. Yeah. Mm-mm. Doesn't dry. And then I feel like sometimes the fringe gets all weird too. Yeah. And I'm not going to iron fringe yeah. on a towel. It's not going to happen. They are good for the beach. FYI, mm-hmm. because the sand doesn't stick to them. But again, they're still not absorbent. So they're gorgeous. Though. Yeah. They, they look, look great. Is this the wrong? See, I like that. I like the multitasking at the beach, but yeah. you know. <laughs> well, okay, I, so all I, I like. I want to. I want like fluffy. Yeah. Cozy. Yeah. Coziness. Yeah. Especially. I mean, I certainly can't imagine using a Turkish towel like in the winter yeah. when you get out of the out of the shower and it's like cold. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm moved into a rental currently. And as you can see behind me, you guys are lucky. Listeners are not. (laughs) Um, And we're just living it out, you know, stuff everywhere, not hiding anything at this point. But there is very, there's no overhead lighting, Mm. um, maybe in the kitchen there. But so we needed more lamps because it just, there's not enough windows. This house has like built, uh, like rooms added on. So some of the interior rooms don't have any um, Mm -hmm. windows. So point being is I went ahead and bought lights, but thinking about using them in my future home. Um, but when I was shopping for lamps and not, and I'm not talking like fixture ones, just like actual floor lamps, table lamps, 
where and when do you use the small ones? Because for me, I'm so tempted to stay between like 25 and 30 inches just to like, um, you know, have a presence to a lamp, not to the point that I want to take up every little side table because I understand that might be a case. But for scale, when do you use these small ones? I think uh, we have some uh, on our bookshelves. If you've got bookshelves, I think those are great opportunities for them. Um, you're seeing them a lot in kitchens now too. And I, I love that movement to kind of this, you know, blurring the lines between, you know, a space that feels completely functional to somewhat, you know, decorative as well mm-hmm. in the kitchen. So I love that. I also use the small ones on top of dressers, like tall dressers. Um, okay. Um, Mm-hmm. I feel like they make sense too, because I have one and I've thought about using it um, on a dresser that I have a great big painting on. And if I used like a full size lamp, the lamp would block totally the block the painting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like two mm-hmm. teenies would actually probably be pretty cute. Yeah, I actually you know? love them. Sorry. No, no, you just two two small ones, but yeah, or two of them versus yeah. one big. I love I love them in an entry hall situation too, especially so you might have like a mirror layered and maybe even art. I mean, I love the idea of hanging a mirror, propping art in front of that, and then having, you know, a light source. So you may have a little secretary or a console table or something in your entryway. And I think they work great there too. Yeah. You know, keep oh, a little yes. light on, you come in at night, drop your keys, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle to use buffet lamps because I just feel like you don't get a lot of look for no. a buffet lamp and it's kind of all about the shade. And so I, I, I always wonder like when, when and why do people buy buffet lamps? Like they're just so skinny. Like there's no, there's no like, you know, drama. Yeah. I, guess. I feel like they can have an architectural presence to them. So if you, if you want light in an architectural sense, but you don't necessarily want to draw away from there may be, like you said, art on the wall or something mm. that you don't want to draw away from, but you do need That's light. Right. I feel like they're really effective there, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I know what you're saying. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I love a buffet lamp and maybe it's because in that case it is like to your point, the lamp isn't the thing. Yeah. It's not the moment that I'm trying to have you like look yeah. at. Right. Um, but I just like, but, always want more excuses to have a really fabulous yeah. lamp. Like, yeah. I just love a fabulous We also have lamp. side tables. Well, yeah, we have bedside tables that are small. And so, to be honest, it was like we needed a teeny footprint. And they were thin. And yeah. like, you know, I added pink tassels to the little pole. So she's, that's what you look at. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, well, well, in terms of lighting, I have a question about um, about short ceilings. Because I've thought, I've thought a lot of like our house only has eight foot ceilings. And so there we don't really have any overhead lights except for like over the dining room and then we have cam lights obviously but i've thought like is it going to be weird like i kind of want to add a flush mount do you feel like there's i mean should you have a an overhead light in every room or should i leave in our last house um you know if we did it was it i mean like the outlets were the switch was connected to an outlet it was strange um Mm -hmm. I think it depends on the functionality of the room. The bedrooms, you know, where I missed it was in bedrooms because I just missed being able to walk in and flip on a light if I needed to go to a closet or something like that. But, you know, in another space, um, you know, in our last home too, we had short ceilings. So I'm thinking about it in particular, but we did have some recessed in there, always on a dimmer, but we rarely use them. We always just use the, the lamps. We had sconces in there. And so you had like these different levels of lighting and it was nice. I think the challenge. I think the challenge forces you to create a more exciting light situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I just thought like there's just there's so many pretty light fixtures. So like, there are, yeah. I I don't have enough places to use them all. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and maybe I need to put some in. I but. need a twelve step program for lamps. Period. So my husband <laughs> going to. You know, Where are your most recent ones from? <sighs> Probably like thrift stores or round top. Um, so you'll find like vintage and do you, yeah. do you find, and do you have a shade shape you usually go to or is it totally dependent? It's totally dependent. I feel like I have shifted less away from a straight drum in the past few years to more of a cone. Um, even kind of one of those exaggerated cones that you saw mm-hmm. in the eighties. Uh, yeah. 
I think some of the pleat styles are really cool too. I found myself mm-hmm. really drawn to that. So it's just, you know, I like cool lamp shade. I like cool shades, different shades. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually one of the things in our move that. answer our question is it time for decorating dilemma yes our listeners question i'm excited because i feel like beth has a really cute house absolutely yes we have had so many recent listeners write in who've had gorgeous homes and are like what do i do and i'm like you should not look at my home um do not ask me for advice but they're actually asking you so this is good news (laughs) all right this one is from beth and she writes I love the podcast. I've learned so much and I've been entertained since finding you. I'm hoping you can help. My husband and two young daughters and I moved into our home last fall. It is a mid-century center hall colonial and we have stayed fairly true to its traditional vibe. I'm ready for new furniture for our family room and not sure what pieces would be best. We hang out in this room as a family primarily to watch TV, play Nintendo, and play with our dog. Our former living room is where we entertain guests. Remember that, entertaining guests? She's right. We don't even know how anymore. (laughs) So this room has more of a cozy family feel, and I'd like to keep it that way. We have pocket doors on either wall with built-in bookcases in one of those walls, and a third wall has a large window. We have a fireplace that is at an angle. Currently, we have a couch, two chairs, a TV console, as well as a coffee table. This furniture feels oversized for this room. I was thinking a leather couch in front of the window, but what about chairs or a sectional maybe? But fear it will be too far into the room and block the bookcase. Help. <laughs> so it does look like it's a pass-through room. Like a so foot traffic wise, she does have to keep a path. Um Yeah, I I I think you could try a sectional. Um a sectional that has a chase at the end. Um, I think it would certainly have to measure the room and map it out, plug in, you know, do a scale uh, drawing. At the very least, just take painter's tape and tape out, you know, get the dimensions of the sectional that uh, Beth is considering and tape it out on the floor and just see how you would work around that. Um, I love the I love the the large chair in the corner that looks kind of like a reading nook. It's got a lamp by it. I think that that fits well there. Um, I think potentially the other chair in the other corner does feel a little bit oversized, but maybe that's an opportunity for a smaller chair. And I mean, even something like, I don't know, even like a, like a little cafe table or something. I, I don't know. I mean, so many people are having to carve out just even the tiniest little spaces for homeschool situation or work from home situation. And if you don't have that, it could be, um, like I said, I don't know the exact space we're working with here, but it might be just almost like a place for a perch. (laughs) Well, I love her built-ins. I think she could easily, you know, make those even like a fun color and um, utilize some of that storage for the kids stuff. And maybe she does already. Um, But I do agree the upholstery all feels too big for this space. I was going to suggest, um, and obviously there, there are lots of options out there, but, um, I have our Hartwell sofa and I really like it, um, especially in front of a window because it has a pretty low back. And so it, you know, obviously you're still going to cover the window a little bit, but it at least, um, you get a lot of your window and, and it just kind of, it's a good size, I think, to float inside of the wind in, or in, in a window. Um, and then I also like it just because it's, it's really comfortable, but it's not crazy deep. Like the one that you have is, is like really deep, which, you know, anyway, so that, that was just going to suggest that, but, um, the Hartwell has the, the wood detail on the, on the base, right? Mm-hmm. It is yeah, I love mm-hmm. that. I think it's a beautiful piece. Um, and it is the leather air comes in leather too. If she wanted that option, yes. mm-hmm. but even, you know, even if you don't go with that one, like think about, um, the, the height, of, you know, the back of the height mm-hmm. and then also like the arms and that kind of thing and trying to, um, you know, cause I think sometimes like a more compact frame makes it to where it doesn't look as bulky in the space. Yeah, for sure. Compared it, to what, what you currently have. 
And if she did go with a leather sofa, I would recommend an upholstered ottoman or something mm-hmm. to kind of balance the softness. So it didn't, so the room didn't take a turn to feel heavy. Um, so maybe the coffee table could be changed up. I think the shape of the table is probably about right. Yeah. Um, I like yeah. your idea about the chaise though. Cause I mean, if it is a TV room, like. Uh-huh. Those are the best. Yeah. If, if you but, I, but I do always feel, I feel like an ottoman just looks stylistically. I feel like a sofa with an ottoman just looks so much better. But. Yeah, it's good. Any little kids playing Nintendo, I'm sure you would rather, as a kid, have an upholstered one that you could hop on and like sit on. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Oh my gosh! And you could still have a pretty tray for like that you move when people are headed over, or, you know. Yeah, I also feel like she could probably. I mean, it, and she kind of has to figure out like what what does she want? Do you want like a big lounging sofa, or do you want to? put in more individual seats. I feel like, because I do think, especially if you get a different sofa, there is more room to get more seating in here. Like you could get kind of a small armchair, um, you know, kind of on the side that of the sofa that doesn't already have the chair. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I remember we had, um, we had someone on the show and she was talking about how if she has a really small room, she likes to shop for vintage chairs because vintage chairs like just always, almost always have a smaller footprint and like they're just a more petite size. And so it's easy to find something that's like small, but still comfortable. So I thought that was a really interesting. Yeah, well, I agree. Tidbit to keep up here. And um, so that might be something good to look for. Especially if you do the, the the leather sofa, because then you can bring in more softness. Yeah, I love that. And, and what about... She's got a little lamp over there on her bookshelf, so see? <laughs> see, I just had to wait, and I could have found my answer. <laughs> um, what about the TV stand? What would y'all do for putting um, the TV? Because I know the fireplace is in that corner, and so you can't really make that your focal point, especially if this is like your cozy kind of TV room. Mm-hmm. Um what were what were y'all's thoughts on that one or that piece? I was wondering about the depth on that. It it appears to be pretty deep, mm-hmm. um, and you know I don't and know. Her current one. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. The, on the, her current piece of furniture. Yeah, the, yes. current, the current media stand. It does look to be pretty deep. I mean, so you could maybe buy a few inches of space. You know, particularly if you um, you know did a chase lounge or something like that, where you were concerned about walkway, you might be able to buy yourself some space between the depth on that and then maybe doing a different chair in that corner or a different situation in that corner, it might just help um, visually lighten the space a little bit and just give you, you know, sometimes two or three inches can make a difference in a, in a pathway. Yeah. Especially because it doesn't, it doesn't look like you have that much in there. So you mm-hmm. clearly don't need that much storage. You know what I mean? Like she has like a couple baskets, but some of these cubbies just look empty. So that's good. Well, hopefully the built-in, hopefully the built-ins are storing away a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So do, do, do either of y'all use an IR repeater? <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? No. no. Okay. Um, Not at all. So basically it's a way for you to have all of your like electronics not next to your TV. Oh, okay. Like basically what it does is you put a little sticker a little thingy and with a cord on your TV, but then you can like run it wherever. And then it's a, it's basically like a mirror to where, wherever you're using your remote, it then puts the remote signal into the drawer, the dresser behind the cabinet door, whatever, so that you can use it behind the door. Anyways, all I was going to say, you have this. I just put one in our living room and it's working. Yeah. So great. Yeah. So anyways, my, my only Allison's writing it down. <laughs> so my only thought was like maybe, you know, she could if she if she is clever like that, or maybe her husband has some, you know, is able to like run wire. I, I didn't do that. I had a much easier setup. But maybe she could figure out a way to run all of her cords and stuff and put them over by the um the bookshelf. So then she doesn't even really need storage over by the mm-hmm. television. You know what I mean? Like she could have something really thin under the television just for like, just so the television doesn't just look like it's floating. Yeah. Um, and if it's and something space. like a Parsons console table, you know, that really, did, usually there's not much depth on those. You could tuck away a couple of little stools there too that could, yeah, the kid could always totally. pull out to, you know, 
perch on. Anyways, I thought it was a very clever thing. This is not I over Peter. I R, like the letters I R. I R. Okay. This is not a new thing. It's just I only. I'm sure it's not. I'm just. (laughs) It's just new to me. So anyway, yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks, Caroline. That was a good tidbit. (laughs) Um, Did we answer all her questions? Let me look at. I think so. Um, also, I love her soap. I mean, her uh, her carpet. I didn't Very say that too. The antelope carpet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dig it. I think, and my other only note was some more lamps in the room because it looks like she only has one. Mm-hmm. So if she didn't want to use that overhead lighting, did we say that? Oh, she's the two. She's the little one. And then she has one floor lamp. Mm-hmm. So I would get a few more yeah. lamps if not. Yep. I hire an electrician. Yes. To put in scones. <laughs> yeah, sconces over the fireplace would look great. Um, I also love, especially in an armchair, like what she's got going on, like on the TV wall, when you can't, you you may not necessarily be able to fit a side table, doing like a um, wall-mounted sconce, even just one that plugs in mm-hmm. so that you don't have to, you, you can still have a light over there, but it's mm-hmm. not, you know taking up floor space yeah yeah Yeah. and you don't have to get the side table especially if you um and you could just have like maybe a little teeny garden stool or something so i always love that too i feel like that's a good place to use one of those yeah do too thanks for sending in your question beth we really appreciate it thank you beth and best of luck send us after photos Mm -hmm. all right well allison can you tell everyone where they can find you follow you see all your work all that good sure. stuff. Our website is com. Instagram, uh, Allison <laughs> underscore Geezy. That's G-I-E-S-E. Mm-hmm. And her Instagram is so really good. inspirational. Yeah. And so is your website as well. But the, I know for most people, following is so easy and it's so much fun. And you'll love the Monday mood boards. Oh, my gosh. I love the Monday mood boards. Awesome. It is. Mm-hmm. I, I like do... Are these in particular, are these rooms that you're building for a client or are they just something that you like put together just to like flex your, your design muscles? Some of them are just creative and creative exercises. Some of them are for projects. Some of them I refer back to with a, you know, a new project. I may be like, I remember that mood board. I really liked it and refer back to them. But we, because we've gotten so many questions about sources and things like that, we actually started offering them on our website under a resource where you can purchase a mood board so you can it's not every mood board i've ever done we're getting there but it's a series that we've offered of kind of like the 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 most popular ones and we've sourced them out and you can you know purchase them and you get a really pretty package that has the source links that is genius right to the product so and we and we also tell you you know because some people be like well i love that tile but how would you use that so we also make suggestions in those in those purchasable products that say, you know, I would use this on a sofa. I would use this as window treatments. I would use this on a bathroom floor um, to kind of guide people because they tend to be more like whole house, you know, guide to guide whole house concepts or color uh-huh. palettes. So yeah. That is so smart. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcastballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy happy decorating. decorating.